Tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a different flight trajectory that the Raven usually takes. We're going to discuss a topic that's very important for this land of confusion that we live in. It's a topic that will help us navigate through this time of chaos and also help us be victorious over this time of chaos. And the topic we're going to talk about is leadership. Now, let me qualify that. You can either lead in the right direction or the wrong direction. There's good leadership and bad leadership. And what we're going to talk about tonight is good leadership. And to help us do that, we are going to have the host of the Breakout Leadership Podcast, Adam Oxendine, join us to bust the rust off of some of the principles of the art and science of leadership. And yes, people, leadership is both an art and a science. So we're going to find out more about that as Adam Oxendine joins us in just a moment. Well, welcome everybody to the Raven's Heart live stream and podcast. And we have, hey, Tiffany, good evening. It is time to dive in. And we're going to dive into some nuggets tonight. And this is really important. Adam and I were talking before the, the uh, live stream here that, you know, when it comes to the world of arts and entertainment and the church, there's a lot of misconception concerning leadership. And there's a lot of lack of leadership, especially in the church. One of the things that I've found is... You know, it's, hey, we got the scriptures and I've been called to be a leader, so I don't need no stinking art and science of leadership. And we're just going to kind of wing it. And it gets really crazy. So Adam's going to join us tonight to uh, discuss leadership, the art and science of it. And this is very important stuff because times are getting rough. Uh, it's it's not easy out there. It's no rules. Australian stickball on the streets right now, pretty much. And we need leaders. We need leaders in every area of life. Every area of life needs leadership. And I've got somebody here, Adam, who is very well qualified to talk about this. He's got 18 years of law enforcement experience. He's got a master's in leadership behavior, and he's working on his doctorate in leadership and organizational behavior. Adam, welcome to the live stream tonight. And you have been a faithful patron of Raven, Raven's Heart as well. Yes, thank you so much. And by the way, the intro, absolutely amazing. That was so cool to see. That That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we're talking about leadership. How do we define leadership? What is the definition of leadership, Adam? So it's, it's funny you ask that question because in reality, I think leadership probably has several different definitions. And from some of the past experiences that I've had with actually trying to define leadership, everybody's definition of leadership is wrong except for yours. It's right. And it, it's it's this personal belief that you have of, of what a leader should be. And that's what drives you in your own leadership world. But the best way that I've been able to explain uh, leadership or, or define it is practical practices to uh, theoretical approaches. So you have your science behind it, which is 
your theory and then you have your art behind it, which is your actual practice. What is it that you're doing from those uh, perceived theories or those, those defined theories that, that formulates you as a leader is what defines leadership for each individual. That's interesting that you say that because that's why I wanted to do this uh, particular edition because I was reading a book and I can't remember the, it's terrible. I can't remember the name of the book, but it was really good. Trust me. It was about leadership and it was talking about the art and the creativity behind leadership. And this is, you know, really a prophetic arts podcast. And a lot of people don't realize that is that um, some of the best leaders I've come across and I've worked with are, are some of the most creative people who understand the art of applying leadership. And, you know, it's interesting also, too, Adam, that you say that there's many different definitions of leadership. Would you say that those definitions would vary based upon the organization and what the mission is? Is that why there's so many different definitions? That and situation. Leadership is situational. So you've got your your approach to each situation is going to define what leadership approach you're going to take, what decisions you're going to make. Um, we had a conversation not too long ago in a training class. Uh, some people ha had have some disagreements with some of the decisions that leadership makes. And I had to stand up and say, hey, look, you know, as a leader, your main goal is to take care of your people. But at the end of the day, when you run an organization, you have to put the organization and what benefits the organization. Sometimes you have to do that for, you have to put that first. Um, there's a contradicting phrase called uh, that I've heard. Um, you know, if you take care of the people, the people will take care of the mission. But sometimes we have to put the mission ahead of our people because of the bigger picture. And that's what makes, again, that, that goes back to the art of leadership, being able to see the bigger picture and see further into the future. Yeah, you have to have a vision, you know, right. there has to be there has to be a perception and there has to be a goal that you're working for. And it's interesting that you say it because, you know, you and I have both been in leadership positions and I don't want to get too much into that into this live stream. But we've chewed the same dirt, basically, in, in a lot of instances. And you always have those people that you're working with that, that are your people that you're leading and they'll complain, well, that's not good leadership or I wouldn't do it that way. And one of the things that I've discovered is it's really based upon different leadership styles. Uh, just because you wouldn't do it that way, that probably means that's not your leadership style. And it's one thing to be able to sit there and throw rocks at the leader. And if you see something that needs to be done, jump in and do it because the leader's not going to see everything. You're there to to help the leader to see. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, with all of these different definitions of leaders, I want leadership. I want people to understand that leadership is not this. It's not, hey, I'm the leader and do what I say. Yeah, that that's that's more of a dictatorship than it is leadership. Uh, the, the mentality of do what I say, not as I do. Um, that, that can get you into trouble uh, uh, real fast as a leader very very quickly and while we're talking about some misconceptions of leadership what are some other misconceptions of leadership that you've come across when training other people in leadership and your leadership experiences uh well probably the first and the biggest misconception is power everyone thinks with with the title of leadership comes power and and to to an extent that's right um i've always been or i've always found it to be that uh, someone who's in a leadership role uh, or or holds a, a certain rank may have a louder voice or a stronger influence. And, and so in that aspect, yes, there is power that comes from it. But taking that power too far 
is is a whole different story. Um, so power is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I have uh, um, uh, or that I've I've seen. Um, and and you also have um, manip- manipulators. <laughs> I get my words right in a minute. Um, people who um, they you have a you have leaders and you have manipulators. Leaders lead people and push them in the right direction for the benefit of those people. And then you have manipulators who push people in a direction for the benefit of themselves. And so manipulation is, is I've seen a lot of that uh, in the past few years. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, if you stay true to yourself and you find ways to change inside your yourself to fit the outside, to fit the world that you're trying to serve. That's what's going to make you a good leader. You have to be adaptive. You have to change. Not changing um, is, is going to hurt you in the long run. What you're saying about the pushing and the manipulation is so true. I actually spent time in a church for 13 years where that was the leadership model, and it led to nothing but absolute and complete, utter disaster. And in talking about the power aspect of it, one of the things that I've had to learn is I've matured as a leader and you know, you never arrive as a leader. There's not going to be this day where I'm like, Hey man, I hit the, uh, I hit the pinnacle and I am, you know, all that in a bag of chips. Uh, one of the things that I've learned is that leadership is responsibility and it's hard work. It's less about power. And I'll tell you what, it is hard work. Um, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulder. If something goes wrong, you're the one that's accountable for it. It is not easy. And really, it's, you know, it's about the mission. It's about the objective. It's about the vision. Where are you going? Uh, even in scripture, it says where there's a lack of vision, the people perish. Where there's no leadership, people perish. And Tiffany is weighing in and she says, amen. And yes, if you are watching us live, go ahead. If you got any questions for Adam about leadership or want to uh, share an experience, go ahead and uh, go into the comments section and do that. So Adam, what qualifies somebody to be a leader? That is a loaded question. <laughs> that is a loaded question because everybody has their own set of qualifications. Um, time. I mean, time and experience. Those are two things you can't buy. You can buy education. Um, and you can buy all the training that you want. But time and experience are, are probably the two biggest things that start you in the right direction. Um as humans, inherently we are built to lead. Um, in my belief, you know, there everyone is a is a is a leader. You're, we all have these leadership traits, and at some point in our life, we've had to step up and be a leader. Whether it's in a study group at school, or Bible study at church. Um, sports teams at some point we've all had to have that we've all had that opportunity to step up and lead and so what it boils down to is are we introverts or extroverts when it comes to our characteristics how confident are we and the more and more you have opportunities to step outside the box and be that leader the more experience that you gain with that the more confidence you start to build in yourself and the more uh, pronounced you become when you walk into a room. I was a member of a, of a training class not too long ago 
And at the very end of the training class, the instructor came to me and he was like, listen, he said, when this class first started, I thought you were just going to be this arrogant, you know what, yeah. of a person in this class. You weren't going to take it serious. You were here just to be here. And I asked him, he, he goes on and he says, I asked a question. And the first thing you did was you picked up your phone. And I thought, what, is he just ignoring me or something? But then I quickly realized what you were doing was you were looking up to make sure the information you were about to provide was correct. And I just kind of nodded my head a little bit. And the next words out of his mouth, I'll never forget. He said, the minute you walked in the room, I could tell you were the leader. Didn't matter who we were going to name as head of the class, you were the leader. And so that comes with confidence. That comes with uh, the ability to uh, take those traits that I have and force them out and, and, and let others you know, see, hey, look, I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to get the job done. I, I know how to help and support people. Let me show you how, or let me help you in some way. Um, it's, I, I guess, the, fam- the the fancy word for it is charisma. Um, some people have it. Some people don't. Some people have to work really hard at it as well. And, and believe it or not, I, I find myself as being the one who has to work really hard at that. Um, I don't have confidence issues, um, but like a lot of leaders, I'm afraid to be wrong. Um, and one thing that I have to learn is that it's okay to be wrong. As long as you're wrong once, you got to fix it at some point. You know, really what you're describing there is what I would, uh, encapsulate as humility, uh, approaching your leadership position with fear and trembling that yes, you don't know it all. Unfortunately, you know, we've run into, them, you know, you got the guy, who I'm in a leadership position or I've got a certain rank or a certain title. So now I know it all. And what I say is they have infallibility in their own mind and they really don't. It's you have to give that accurate information. And that is so important when you approach a leadership position of it's a responsibility that's greater than you are. And for me, I spend a lot of time in prayer with a lot of decisions that I have to make because I just can't throw something off the cuff. You know, you can't. And there are some positions and some jobs. If you do that, people are going to get killed. You know, it's, it's, it's really serious. And I'd like to tie the nexus into our uh, musicians and our artists that are watching tonight. If you are on stage and you are in the front on that stage, you are a leader because you're leading people somewhere with your music and your message. And it's the same thing for people that stand in pulpits and the same, you know, giving spiritual guidance. You are a leader. Make sure that what you are saying and what you are doing is accurate, very accurate. There's a lot of study that have to be, has to be involved with it. You also hit upon a couple other qualities that I found as I was doing a deep dive into Scripture, Adam, and it's like, all this stuff is in Scripture if you go and you look for it. And what we're doing is we're providing context to it. I went to Deuteronomy chapter 1 at verse 13, and I think you'll really appreciate this because this is when Moses was like, God, I've got all these people. How can I carry this burden? All I mean, he, had, he was supposed to be leading an entire nation, and most of them were not quite too happy about the way things were going. He's like, God, how, how am I going to do this? And God said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to set up captains over thousands, hundreds, and tens, and officers. I was like, wait a minute. That sounds like a military structure where you got a battalion, a company, 
you know, breaking down that delegation of authority and that span of control. And then it mentioned the officers. It's like, oh, wow, there's your there's your staff officers that are there. But God gave certain qualifications for these leaders, and they had to first be discerning, meaning that they understood and could see what was going on around them and make sense of it, but also being able to see beyond the surface of things, which is really important for leadership. Uh, they had to be wise, which means they had to be skilled. Uh, that only comes through uh, experience and age, like you were talking about a second ago. And they had to be knowledgeable. They had to know what they were talking about. They couldn't be just winging it off the cuff. So. Those were the three qualifications of leaders. And with that being said, and we've talked about now, you know, what are the qualifications for a leader? How do you know that some, how does somebody know that they're ready to be a leader? You know, they know they've been called to be a leader. They know they're supposed to be in a leadership position. How do they know they're ready? It seems like, you know, the, the, the chips kind of fall in place. Um, for instance, let's, you know, let's use the illustration that, that you pulled from uh, with the story uh, of Moses. Um, you know, Moses wasn't, he, he really had a, a, a fear of speaking in front of people. And, and when God called him, he, that's where he was, it's part of where he was called up with. He's like, how am I supposed to lead people when I, I can't even, you know, form my words right? And this, whatever just it came over him god moved in him and he was able to set that aside and he was able to step up and do what he needed to do to lead it's a matter of uh timing i, I took a philosophy class and and i or i'm sorry not a philosophy a psychology class this shows you how interested i am in it but um in this psychology class uh we looked at the adlerian theory and Adler says that we as humans, we strive for one thing, and that is perfection. But we'll never find it because perfection only lasts half of a millisecond. And so I say that because as leaders, we're striving for that half of a millisecond. And when that half of a millisecond shows up and you step up and you're able to be that person in that moment, that's when you know that the timing is right for you to step to the forefront and be a leader. I don't think there's really, other than time and experience, yeah, there are small little traits that have to be there, but timing is everything. Timing is everything. People are in, people are leaders who aren't even in the leadership roles. Um, there's a, a phrase, you know, rank or leadership knows no rank. And that is true. Leadership doesn't know rank. You have leadership positions. And as you said in the intro, you know, there are people who are in these leadership roles really who don't have, they don't have, it's not necessarily the experience or the ability to be there. They just, they don't have any business being there. How they got there, we, we may, we may never know. We may, we may know politics plays into leadership as well. That's a different story. But knowing when you're ready to be a leader is all about timing. You can have all of the experience in the world, but if you are not able to execute at the right time and make that decision that puts you in the forefront, that's that's going to be that's the break uh, the the break all right there. Adam, would you say that's where the discernment come in, comes in, knowing the right time, the yes. time to step forward and to do it, having that that keen perception. Would you also say that maybe that when you have that discernment that it's time that you get an inner burning that I must do this, this is something that I must do, and, and you step forward? 
Yes, absolutely. And again, you, you have to take when when that time comes, you've got to take advantage of it. And when you do, you've got to make sure all your ducks are in a row. Um, I have to I have to brag on someone right now. My um my brother uh, graduated from North Greenville, uh, in with a degree in theological studies, um, and he is right now in the uh, process of a church plant project. Um, and it's not something that happened overnight. Um, he and I, the, over the past few months, have gotten involved in a um, money pit of a hobby called golf. Um, I don't know how to play it. I just go and try. Um, but it's fun, and it's time. It's quality time that I get to spend with him. And halfway through one of our um, one of our golf outings, we stopped, and he spent um, almost an hour on a Zoom call with three other people. Uh, planning um, and and getting ready for this church plant that he's he's uh, embarked on. So yes, it's it's you've got to jump on the opportunity and you've got to make sure all your ducks are in a row and you're ready to go. So when the time comes and you step up to the plate, it, it's all you. Would you say that just takes courage to do that? A lot, a lot. And again, it goes back to that humility you talked about. You know, knowing that if there, there's the opportunity that you're going to fail. Um, when it comes to success, success is like having kids. Everybody wants to tell you congratulations when you have it, but they don't know the struggles that you've gone through to get there. And I want to remind our viewers and listeners that it's okay to fail. It will happen because that's how you gain wisdom is in failure. For every success that I've had, well, I, I guess you can call them successes, I've had about 10 or 15 failures behind it before something actually worked, but it's taking the courage. And leaders are, you know, the ones that are born leaders, and I do believe in born leaders, yeah, it's not that they're going to have everything all together. They've got to go through the threshing floor, you know, they've got the gifting in there uh, to do it. And, uh, you know, those that are gifted, they are a very different cut of people. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people who will look at it and be like, you're crazy for thinking you're going to do that. And their fear kicks in and, uh, you know, they try to keep the leader down, but the leader just has to keep going forward, you know, face like a flint towards the vision and, and moving on. And this is this is where we're going. And Tiffany says, walking the tightrope between humble and bold. Exactly. That is that is a fine line. That is a very fine line. Adam, I, I want to talk about that for a second. How how would you recommend or coach somebody to walk that tightrope between the boldness that you need to be a leader and the humility. How do you balance that? That's a, that's a tough one. It is. It really is. Uh, you have to be bold. Uh, you have to take that. Um, you have to take that leap of faith, if you will. Um, but when you do, you can't forget where you came from. You can't forget the people who, who helped you get there. Um, I'm I'm big on 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 that. Um, I think it kind of comes back a little bit full circle with uh, recognition. Um, you know, you, you can't do it all alone. Um, you have to be humble enough to to understand that you can't do it all alone. But you've got to be strong enough, confident enough, and bold enough to take the chance. That that was a very good point that Tiffany brought up, and that that is a tightrope to walk. And I want to go back to something else you were talking about. You know, we have our formal leaders, and we're getting into the science of leadership now. We have the ones that are in the designated positions of, hey, I am leader, you know, and, and we're going this way. But you also have informal leaders, and really, if you look at it, the informal leader has 
a lot of times a lot more influence than the mm. formal leader does. Let's go back to Moses for a second, because there was Moses up at the front leading everybody, and then you had people that were causing dissension in the ranks and murmuring and complaining and getting them in all sorts of trouble that led to 40 years of wandering around in the desert when it should have really taken about a day and a half based upon the distance. Uh, can you talk to us about informal leaders? What what's it, What is an informal leader and how should a formal leader leverage the informal leader? So in the law enforcement world, we call them the salty Sarge. There's a sergeant that's been there for 20, 30, 40 years um, and is, is more or less, a, a, I guess, a, a disgruntled employee, um, just a, a comparison to, to what you were, what you were explaining there. Uh, you, you know, like I said earlier, rank, uh, or leadership knows no rank. Uh, you've got people who are experienced that don't hold leadership roles, but they've been in organizations, uh, or with projects for so long that they know the ins and outs. Um, those are your informal leaders. Those are the people who are, are making things happen based off of their experience. Um, and then you have, you know, you've got those people who are in, in those positions that are your formal leaders. And it's all about playing strengths, strengths versus weaknesses. Now, a good leader um, in those formal positions will, will help mentor and coach um, individuals through, through their weaknesses uh, to try to turn them into strengths. But playing your strengths versus your weaknesses uh, is really where the informal leader gets their their glory, so to speak. Um, by being the strongest person, by being that go-to, by being able to get things done, um, and using that influence towards the younger generations or the the newer uh, employees or whomever it may be that comes into your team or your organization. Uh, using that experience, taking them under your wing, acting as a training officer, if you will, uh, to 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 give them the the um the roundabout, the ropes of what's going on. Um, that's probably where you can get the biggest leverage. Being a formal leader is is using those with the experience, with the knowledge, with the know how, um, and, and and using that to your benefit. We've got um, at, at the uh, department I work at, we have a. Uh, an advisory board that's made up of deputies throughout the entire department. And they sit down once a month with the sheriff and they talk uh, about things that are going on. Um, being a formal leader, uh, you can use that informality to address issues that aren't just happening in your, um, your area, but that are happening in other divisions um, that, that can't seem to, to be brought to, to attention in other manners. So, um, you know, using your resources um, and, and the informality of having that senior person, though they might not have a rank or a title or or whatever, they're still a leader. They're still a strong point. Um, you know, leaning on them. Leaders are only as good as the uh, leaders and followers they build up around them. Something you were talking about there, the mentoring and the training of other leaders and, and the development of other leaders. I'm going to tie that into a church term, that's discipling. That's what you're doing. And leaders really should not be working to train followers. That's You're failing at leadership if that's your goal. Your job is to train other leaders. And that's what discipling is, is making other making other disciples and making making leaders. It's a training. It's a mentoring process. And Adam, as you know, you know we, we both know from experience that can be frustrating and exhausting because 
You know, sometimes people just don't get it or they have different learning methods and ways of picking things up and you can't get frustrated with them. I want to go back to Moses. You can't strike the rock when they don't do <laughs> or go in the direction that you want them to go to. And I also want to talk to, oh, we, we got a question from Tiffany. I want to get to that, but what you were just talking about, these, the salty old, uh, the salty Sarge reminds me of just before I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1994. As a matter of fact, it was July 23rd, 1994, tomorrow. I'm not even going to calculate the number of years. Uh, Sergeant Major, many years of experience, took me to the McDonald's outside of Fort Bragg, and he looked at me. He's like, you're about to be a lieutenant, a second lieutenant. When you show up to your unit, you know nothing. Do everything your platoon sergeant says. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I'm the officer. <laughs> no, you're nothing. <laughs> and you know nothing. So <laughs> you learn that humility real quick because that platoon sergeant, he's been there, you know, 15, you know, 10, 15 years, and you're showing up new on the block. So here's a question from Tiffany. How do you suggest balancing the mix of ministry and business? Mm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and the, I don't, so, you know, church, when it comes to churches, um, you know, they do have, um, as, as, bad as this may sound. I, I don't know. There, there is a, a sense of a business or a management aspect to it because they have to have money to operate. They've got to be able to pay the bills. Um, you know, running ministry versus business, that's, that is, that's tough. Um, I wish I knew an exact answer for that. Um, I just, I, I, I don't have the experience in that area and I don't want to say something wrong, but um, you know, a church is a church is the people. I've always been taught that. You know, the building is where you go, but the congregation is the church. The church is your is your support. Um, and you know, being able to minister to the community and go out, um, you, 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 there are certain lines, I guess, that you have to draw uh, when it comes to if you're going to minister or if you're going to run it as a business. Um, Ministry is probably and should be, uh, at least in my mind, I know it, it, it's by far the most important thing to do uh, when we're talking about uh, spreading the, the word of God um, is, is going out and being, being disciples, being a, a minister of the faith. Um, but there are times where we have to pull back and we've got to say, you know, hey, look, we've and we've got we've got a church we've got to keep open. If 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 we're going to go out here and and start drawing people to come closer to Christ, we want to have a shelter. We want to, we need a building for them to come to. Uh, we need that hospitality. We need that service that we preach that our church is all about. Um, so I mean, I think to the best answer for that is there's a time and place, and you're going to have to try. We, we've got to try to find a balance between which is what. That's a really good point. And this is a discussion I was having with an artist a couple weeks ago with one of his mentors. And this is something that I want our artists to remember is that a workman is worthy of their hire. There's this philosophy that if you're out ministering, you need to do everything for free and give everything away. And there's a balance with that. Like you were talking about, Adam, there's a time and a place that you have to put on the business hat and there's a time and a place that you have to put on the ministry hat. And I really believe that's being sensitive to the spirit in that because you are worthy of your hire. And if you think about it, you know, everybody is like, well, you know, you're doing this. And especially in Tiffany's case, it's like, well, you know, you should be giving all your albums away for free because, you know, it's going to help people for the gospel. Well, that would be nice. But 
you know, the last trumpet has to pay the producer of the album. They have mm. to pay that money has to come from somewhere. Uh, so there's there is a balance in that. And I think part of it, too, is giving a clear vision of where you're going and sharing your vision of what you're what you're doing and why you're doing it and gaining support for that. Uh, there, there is nothing wrong. You can't divorce money from ministry or business from ministry. You, you just can't do that. The other thing, too, is you want to avoid the manipulation tactics. You remember in the 80s, send me this money or God, you know, I, you, you remember all. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. It, was, it was horrible. And it was really a tool of the devil to get people to think, oh, you know, everybody that's in ministry should do it for free and they're out for my money. Uh, and it's a matter of gaining that support. Um, but there there has to be a business mind to that. We got another comment here that I want to talk about. This is great. We got some good interaction tonight, Adam. This mm-hmm. is this is perfect. Stacy says, what's more crucial to holy leadership, being theologically and technically inclined or being buried so deep in God, the Holy Spirit's voice is the defining factor in every decision. So here's the question. What is more crucial in holy leadership, being theologically and technically inclined or being buried so deep that God, uh, Holy Spirit's voice is the defining factor in every decision. That, Adam, I'm going to let you knock that one out first, and then I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is that's that is that's a really great question there. Um, so, uh, to kind of preface going uh, preface going into this this question, um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Um, when I was about 13 years old. Uh, we went through some some family issues and some some hard times, and uh, we moved to um, the inner city. Uh, I started going attending a Methodist church. Um, when I met my wife, uh, we got married. Uh, she was a member of uh, a church in downtown Columbia, and uh, it was a TV church. So I went from a little old small church on a back road in the country all the way down to uh, a big inner city church that you, you know, you see at 11 o'clock on, on the TV, uh, while you're at home. And I can tell you that through my experiences traveling through those churches, it is my belief that the latter of that question is by far probably one of the more defining factors is that Holy spirit, God's Holy spirit talking through and, and, being so, so deep in your, in your bones that, um, that is your guiding force. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I am a believer that, uh, the Bible is a a blueprint. Um, and there are some great things, great stories that, that we need to take away from the Bible about faith, about, um, loyalty, um, and and about our walk with, with Christ. Um, and, I'm a huge history person. I love history. Um, the technical and theological aspect of the Bible um, is great because it gives us a foundation. It gives us an understanding of where these individuals were coming from. And the Bible was written in their time. So to them, it was up to date. Uh, and I'm not saying that the Bible's old and out of date, but what I'm saying is, is it made sense to them in that moment. And like everything, time changes. And so we have to be adaptive with the time as well. And and my vision and what I see is that if I'm living my life the right way and I'm enriched with the Holy Spirit, then in that moment, 
God is going to speak to me. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to me and, 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 and allow me to make the decision that I feel is going to be best for that situation. Now, that translated to what happened thousands of years ago might be a little bit different. But I think, um, and, and if I'm addressing this wrong, I apologize, but this is kind of how I'm seeing it here. Um, you know, the, I, I think the latter of the question is probably by far one of the biggest um, voices to hear, if you will, uh, is, is, is being that enriched with the Holy Spirit that, that, that you're going to have that factor in your decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with that, Stacy. You have to remember that Moses was a leader. Uh, he was probably one of the greatest leaders in, in biblical history. Abraham was a leader. Um, Abraham stepped out in courage into the world of the unknown. I mean, that is, that takes guts. Okay. Moses, what he did and what we were talking about, both Moses and Abraham, uh, and then you have Noah also who built the ark when nobody else was paying attention to what was going on. He was doing the right thing when nobody else did. And that is a key quality of a good leader. They did not have the Torah. Neither, none of those had the Torah at the time. So they did not have the theological base. The, all they had was the voice of God uh, guiding them and directing them. Now, where the theology comes in is where you take that voice, what you hear, and you test it against Scripture. Uh, you know, does this line up? Is this, is this something that's practical? And one of the things in leadership, that I, I've seen this all too often, especially in church circles, you get somebody who's so spiritually minded, they practically, they don't have their feet on the ground and they're making very strange and, and weird decisions. They're being led away and led around by every whim of doctrine and wind that's, that's flying around. You have to be grounded and they have to have that grounding and they have to have an understanding of theology. So I agree with Adam totally, you know, leading of the spirit is so important and read the book of Proverbs. I started doing that about a year ago and I'm like, you know what, if I had read this years ago, and really listen to the voice of God, I would not have gotten in all the trouble I've gotten into in my life. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, as a leader myself, I have to say that um, with a lot of, when I have to make the tough decisions, you know, there's some decisions that are easy, but there's some tough decisions when you really got to make some decisions and you're considering second and third order effects. I pray. I mean, and it's not just tossing up a Hail Mary. It's like, oh God, what do I do with this? I just really don't know at this time, what you want me to do, because you're dealing with people's lives. You're dealing with people's, you're dealing with pressure. Human life is precious. When you're leading, you're not just leading things. You're not leading products or, or robots. You're leading people. You're leading living souls. And it's, it's so important. And you know, I want to talk about this because it's something that I've had a lot of experience with firsthand, especially in church circles, is uh, <clears throat> toxic leadership. Okay. Uh, we, we've got a lot of problems with that in the world today. Uh, the Army had a major problem with that several years ago where they were leaving, were leaving a lot of toxic leaders up at top levels. And some of the things that were going on were just unreal. Can you define for us what a toxic leader is and what are some characteristics of a toxic organization? How can you identify a toxic leader and a toxic organization? So earlier I, I spoke about the difference between a leader and a manipulator. Um, that's probably by far the biggest um, characteristic of toxic leadership is that manipulator, someone who's in it for themselves. Um, you know, you look inside an organization, 
um, and you're looking for toxic, toxic leadership, you really don't have to look at the leadership at all. Uh, look at the employees or, or, or um, the members of that organization. If there's low interest, low morale, dis, you know, people who are disgruntled, that's going to be a sign of toxic leadership from the get go. Um, you know, it, it's um, those are probably by far the biggest indicators um, and everything else. You know, if, if you feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up and, and something's wrong is or something's telling you, hey, this isn't right. Uh, chances are it's not. And, and um, you know, I've, I've seen it. I've had my experience in, in um, really in the church um, with um, some individuals who were left in positions, um, uh, positions of authority or, or, or leadership roles um, that were taking advantage of them. Um, and and it, it, it left the church in shambles. It really did. Um, they had to, uh, they had to, re- the, matter of fact, the uh, preacher's son came into the church to be a preacher, and they ran him off too, um, because the church said, "You know, enough's enough. Um, you know, we we need to we need to rebuild and regrow." Um, and that's that's kind of the approach that they took by running him off. But yeah, you know, manipulation is that, and morale are your two biggest indicators of toxicity when it comes to uh, when it comes to leadership. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And from my church experience, I look back at it, or should I say the the cult experience, Um, you know, and it's funny when I started learning leadership again and getting back into leadership books and reading theory and everything like that, I was like, what I'm in is BS. And I got I got out. I was like, they don't know what the heck they're talking about. I was like, what in the world was I thinking? I, I can blame it on this. The time that I was there. I did have a brain tumor, so I can bring, I can I can blame that one on the brain brain tumor and uh, and that. But you know, when you take a look at the organization and the people themselves, here are some things that indicate a, a toxic environment as well. And Adam, you can agree or disagree. The people are backbiting each other, mm-hmm. gossiping, trying to one up. Everybody wants to be the leader. They're not happy. And just take a look at the countenance on their faces. Uh, they're miserable. And if their lives are falling apart, if somebody's in a church and their life is falling apart, or if somebody is in an organization and their life is falling apart, it's an indicator that you've got some pretty bad leadership going on because that leader is not taking care of their people. Yeah, they're not. That, and and you should be able to re, you know be able to read those those people's body language. That's a, that's a lot about leadership as well as being able to read people's body language, understand what's going on. People have lives outside of the organization. And, um, you know, a lot of, you you see a lot of organizations now, and this is more uh, pertinent to the church because a church is going to have or should have an impact on uh, a churchgoer's personal life. Um, But by not being able to read that and reach out, to offer some assistance if something is going on, um, you know, people are going to look at that, you know, kind of sideways. Yeah, absolutely. What are some characteristics of a good leader? Oh, wow. There's so many, um, to be honest, you know, you, you know, someone who's caring, um, who's, um, I guess knowledgeable, you know, they're, they're, going to take the time to, if they're going to offer advice, it's going to be the right advice. Um, they're not in it, for, you know, they're not in it for the limelight. They care about you more than they care about themselves. Um, 
And, and really that's, that's, that breaks down into, to really servant leadership and, and what servant leadership is all about uh, is caring for others. Um, you know, part of the reason why I became a, a police officer was because I wanted to work and care for others. Um, that's just, it's always been in my blood to do that. Um, you know, having those small conversations with people, that's not about anything other than their personal life, taking a, a vested interest in their personal life. Um, when I was going through some of my studies, I was taking a class and, and I made it a point every day, um, for the, for the entire semester, I was taking this class to do something different at work. Um, whether it was stop and talk to the person on the other side of the room uh, for five or 10 minutes or go downstairs to talk to someone or even talk to the, to the janitor for five or 10 minutes. Um, something different and something that was not about the organization, not about why we were there for those eight hours working, something about their selves, their lives personally. And you, if you do that, you start to see a big change in the way people uh, view you and the way you start to look at other people and have that understanding. Um, you know, so, so being caring, you know, being able to express empathy is, is huge. Um, and not always can we do that. You know, we don't always, we, we can't truly say, well, I know how you feel because nine times out of 10, we don't. We've probably experienced that, yes, at some point in our life, but we can't put ourselves in that person's position. So to try to listen and understand um, and express empathy through that um, by, by doing that is, is another um, a, a great trait of, of a good leader. Um, communication is key uh, in leadership. Um, I have seen um, miscommunication at its worst or at its finest, I guess you could say. Um, when it comes to things, um, you know, text messages, emails, they can be misconstrued. Their words written on paper or in a text have no emotion. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Um, that's what I would rather have or meet with them face to face because there's meaning, there's feeling behind, the, behind those words. Um, and then it also shows that you care enough about whatever's going on that you're going to take the time out of, out of your, your schedule uh, to meet and talk with that person to get the matter resolved um, or, you know, you know, highlighted uh, if it's something that's good. Um, so uh, communication is always a, a, a key point. Uh, integrity. Um, you should never have to worry about if uh, someone uh, that you view as a leader or someone who's in a leadership role is doing the right thing when they're supposed to be. Um, so integrity is huge. Trust. Without trust and integrity, you can't have leadership. You can't have good leadership, at least. All of this applies to the arts and entertainment world, and it also applies to the church, two of the main areas where we spend a lot of time here at Raven's Heart ministering. And servant leadership, we were joking about this at the beginning <laughs> before we even got on. This is not servant leadership. And Adam's going to describe to you a little bit more about what servant leadership is, but it is not, hey, I'm the leader, you're the servant, woo, let's go do stuff. <laughs> that is not it at all. It's actually an inverted pyramid because, you know, up until just a few years ago, it was, you know, top down driven. I am the leader. And all of these people here that I am leading, they are here to serve me and carry out my mission. And now the pyramid is inverted 
where the leader's at the bottom, that is the burden of leadership. And you're there to support the people that you're leading. And some people have a really hard time with this, especially I've seen a hard time with this in church circles. I've seen a hard time with it in the military because it is such a shift from, you know, leadership in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, but then when you think about it, it's like, wait a minute. This is what Jesus said, that the greatest would be the servant and the slave of all. That is how the kingdom of God works. And finally, leadership theory has caught up with Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's taken a while. Can you describe to us a little bit more about what servant leadership is, what it looks like and why it's more effective in the long run? You talked about that inverted pyramid and you brought up um, servant leadership through Jesus. And, you know, he, he went out and he did a lot of things um, and, and he set himself aside for others. That's what servant leadership is, setting yourself aside for others. Um, you know, we live um, now. I, I grew up in kind of a uh, I'm going to show my age here. Um, I grew up in the in the time frame where. When I came into law enforcement, I was between two groups. I was between the the old ways of doing things where, you know, you could pretty much, let's face it, you could get away with just about anything. Uh, as a law enforcement officer, you could, you know, go out and blast somebody and not have to worry about the complaint coming in. Um, and then the new age of law enforcement or, or technology ca catching up with law enforcement, with what we have now. And so... That, in, at least in, in my field, that's kind of where you start to see the shift and the change in um, the type of leadership approaches that we have to take. People want to be helped. Even followers want to be helped. Those who are wanting to help others want to be helped themselves. And that's kind of where we get servant leadership from is helping others. Um, leaders in, in their roles now find it more efficient to help their followers than to tell them what to do. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today uh, when I was thinking about some aspects of servant leadership and, you know, the generation that we have now, um, not taking anything away from them, but the gener generation that we have now uh, for the longest time, when they were at that toddler age, they were set in front of a TV and they watched TV shows like, Sesame Street or Blue's Clues or you know, Teletubbies, whatever. They watched these TV shows and these TV shows showed them how to do things. And so that's what we're dealing with generational wise in the workforce now is individuals who want to be shown how to do something. Don't just tell me to do it. Show me how to do it. And so as a servant leader, not only are you taking the opportunity to show them, but you're giving them the support and the tools that they need to be successful. Hey, this is what we need to accomplish. Here's how we need to do it. What can I do to help you be successful? That's servant leadership. And that's, um, that, that's an approach now. And, and like you said, it's starting to change even in the military. Um, the military, I remember, um, uh, hearing stories of, um, you know, uh, my uncle who was a Marine, um, some of the stories he told about uh, the drill instructors at Paris Island and some of the things that they did to him. And um, the little time that I spent uh, in high school in ROTC, um, we had, we went to Marine Corps mini boot camp at Paris Island. And um, towards my senior year of high school, they said, not, we're not doing that anymore. 
Um, the Army had started to change how their drill instructors and drill sergeants did things. And so they brought the Marines up from uh, from Paris Island to to Fort Jackson, and we we went through it on Fort Jackson. And ninety five percent of the stuff that we experienced at 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 Paris Island was thrown out the door. Um, so even now, in the way that the military is starting to adjust, they're starting to adjust more towards that servant leadership. What can I do in my role to help you be successful? Um, I'm a huge proponent on servant leadership. I don't know if it's because I've been in uh, law enforcement and serving others for so long uh, or, or what, but I'm a huge proponent in servant leadership. I get more satisfaction out of helping somebody else be successful than I do seeing myself being successful. Yeah, I, I am, I'm right there with you on servant leadership. When I first heard about it, because it was such a paradigm shift for me, because I've been a part of a military organization since I've been for like 14 years old is, is when I started uh, my military journey with uh, being a little cadet in Civil Air Patrol and then moving on to different things. And, you know, the type of leadership that we were taught and that we modeled. And I remember when Full Metal Jacket came out, it's like, oh, yeah, man, I want to be like that drill sergeant. Everybody was imitating that. But then you take a look at that movie in Full Metal Jacket. It's really showing you how that leadership doesn't work because that platoon that he trained up really did not do too well. Mm-hmm. in the jungles of, of Vietnam, you know, and that's really what that movie is showing is that was not a good uh, method of leadership. One of the things that I like to remind people is when you take a look at military leadership back in that day, you were dealing with a whole different bunch of people because most of the people there were drafted and they didn't want to be there. Um, maybe things would have been different, you know, if they had applied the concept of, of servant leadership. And that's what, one thing that I want people to understand is that servant leadership, what Jesus taught in the book of Matthew about being the slave and the servant of, of, of many is what makes you greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That applies to every area of life. It applies to the church. It applies to the military. It applies to law enforcement. It applies to business. Um, that, that is, that is key and important. And one of the things Tiffany just, uh, commented delivering not only from negative aspects, but to the next level of calling ushering. And that's going back to what we were talking about with the discipling and leader leading. We're not only just leading people stuff out of stuff, you know, out of maybe something that was negative, but we are taking to them to their next level of calling. That's what we've been called to do as, as leaders. Um, With servant leadership, um, you know, we talk about leadership and servant leadership in the military, law enforcement and business. We've, we've covered that. But from your perspective, Adam, and from what you've seen, how does this apply to, you know, we've talked about it a little bit with the church, but how does it apply to arts and entertainment? Let's say for an artist that's a musician that's up on stage, how would that apply to them? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, being an artist, you know, it's like you explained earlier, you're in the middle of the stage, you're in the limelight. And, um, you know, who are you there for? I think once you answer that question as an artist, um, I think you have your answer as far as to where, what your trajectory is with um, your leadership style. Um, you are, um, you know, you're in the limelight. If you're there for yourself and yourself only, uh, you're you're probably not um, you're not in it and you're not there for the right reasons. Um, but if you're there for the benefit um, of others to to use yourself to help others benefit from you, um, 
then yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're right on, right on track. Um, you know, I, I never been one to be in the middle of the limelight, so I can't really say, um, you know, I, I'm up, up here for this, or I'm up here for this person or for this cause. Um, but you know, you look at, um, even some of the, um, uh, some of the artists and, and things that we have now, um, and, and just in today's climate, um, uh, around the world, um, whether it be in athletics or whether it's in entertainment, um, you have people who are there because they want to be in the limelight. They want to beat their chest. They want to say, Hey, this is me. Um, and then you have some people who are in it for the right reasons. Um, probably one of the more, um, uh, um, individuals or, um, uh, entertainers that I'm attracted to when it comes to that is, uh, Gary Sinise. Um, and his foundation and what he's trying to do. I know this isn't a plug for him. I'm just using it as an example. Um, you know, he's, you know, he, he's been in a lot of things. He was in Forrest Gump. You know, he was uh, in some CSIs. Um, he's well known. And now he's using his brand to help benefit, you know, soldiers who were injured. Um, um, so uh, I see Tiffany posted that, not my will, but yours. That's exactly right. Um, you know, what, what are you up there for? Who are you out there for? What are you trying to perform uh, for? I am going to throw you a spiritual meatball here. Okay. We got a great question and comment from Cody. I'm going to put this up there, Cody. We're going to get to the second one in a second. And Adam, I'm going to let you try to chew on this T-bone steak here. This is a deep question. I haven't even thought of this one. Does the idea of leadership point to a creator and his design for the world and humans to operate. Wow. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. So let me, <laughs> all right. So here, let me, before you, um, you, <laughs> so, um, I, I'm assuming what I see is what everybody else sees. So I see, you know, you're, you, the, the camera zooming in and out on me and stuff. So I, I'm, if you want to keep it split screen for a second, cause I okay, want to see your reaction. Yeah. I, I okay. want to see your reaction when I say okay. this. So, um, a little backstory behind Cody. Uh, if you remember earlier, I was talking about how um, proud I am of my brother uh, who was trying to um, church plant. His name's Cody Kopaz. So uh, okay. I'm glad to see that Cody's on here and, and supporting me uh, as well. And the idea of leadership point to a creator and his design for a world of humans to operate, that right there is a question that you would find at Sunday dinner when he and I are trying to go at it <laughs> with each other. So um that's that's really that really is a very deep deep question um one i wish i knew exactly how to answer but i just i really don't um you know i don't think it um i think it, it it's more of um leadership being how humans operate in the creator's design um especially when we're talking about churches um we're going to put, you know, we're putting our trust and our faith in a leader inside the church to push us uh, spiritually in the right direction. And we all are created for a purpose. And finding our meaning in that purpose is a very tough thing for a leader of a church to do because we all have an individual purpose. So, you know, spreading that out amongst the, you know, uh, the members of the church. Uh, it's tough for someone being in that position, but 
I will say that I, I think the design of leadership in the church is, is, is that of humans being able to operate in the creator's world. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add to that too, because when you start really diving into the theological aspects of scripture, you take a look at the kingdom of heaven and start to grasp the understanding of the way God set things up and designed things. You start to realize that, wait a minute, the way that he's intended us to do things on earth is really the way that it's done in heaven. We talked a lot about being leaders and listening to other people and using and leveraging the informal leaders. And just a few weeks ago, we did a uh, live stream with Dr. Michael Heiser, and we talked about God's divine counsel. Now, it's not that God needs counsel, but it pleased him to set up a divine counsel so others could participate with him. Uh, and there have been times he's let them go and, and do, you know, what they recommend. Uh, you know, we can read that in the Old Testament. I forget exactly what passage of scripture that is. And then you would take a look at the way that, um, you know, Israel was set up when Moses needed the leaders in Deuteronomy 13 at chapter one, set up uh, captains of thousands, um, ten thousands and hundreds and tens and then officers. And you take a look at the angelic structure. You have archangels and, and a whole army of angels. And, you know, it says very clearly in, in scripture that, you know, the Lord of hosts, Jesus is the Lord of hosts. Um, so you have that, a lot of it reflects, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is all in scripture. You know, what's really funny too is, you know, I've read Sun Tzu, you know, uh, very good, good practical leadership applications in there, but wait, I'm like, wait a minute, I've read this all in scripture. You know, a lot of it is just stuff that, you know, it's, it's leadership. Mm -hmm. Truth is leadership. Truth. Logos is logos. Cody also uh, wanted to circle back around to what we were talking about with Stacy earlier about, you know, hey, in leadership, do you depend upon scripture or the Holy Spirit? What's the balance there? And Cody kind of summed up uh, what we were saying, both being mm -hmm. theologically inclined will necessitate you reading the scripture and thus being led by the spirit and leadership. Read Proverbs, people. Read Proverbs. <laughs> um, great question, though. I love the book of Proverbs. I could, you know. It, it, it's great. I'm like, again, as I said, if I had read that and took it seriously many years ago, I would not have gotten all the trouble that I've gotten into in my life. Um, yeah, it really does make a difference. Hey, let's talk about different leadership styles. Um, not everybody leads the same way, and that's okay. Can you share with us what some different leadership styles are and how somebody can kind of figure out what their leadership style is? So earlier I was talking about... Um, a class that I had and how I would go around and, and do different things each day um, to try to uh, better interact with people. Um, you know, when it comes to leadership theory um, and leadership styles, it's kind of the same way. You got to find what fits for you. Uh, you got to find out what you, who you are first on the inside. Leadership starts from the inside. It starts with you. You have to be able to lead yourself first before you can lead other people um, because you're the example for those other people. Um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to that, it's more or less of finding what fits best for you. Um, probably the toughest thing to do as a leader is to get a group of eight individuals who are complete opposites of every other person in the group. And then to have that one individual who is a 110% complete opposite of you because you will butt heads every time. Um, I actually had that happen to me. Uh, one time before, uh, was a few years ago, um, I wanted to uh, if, uh, enact a change uh, in a, um, a shift that I was in charge of. And uh, one of my 
one of my subordinates came to me and he goes, nah, bro, that ain't happening. He says, I'm going to tell you now, nobody's going to do it. Now, instead of addressing that as uh, in uh, insubordination, I kind of took a step back and reevaluated what I was trying to accomplish and, and, and went about it a different way. Uh, so, you know, finding your own self, your own leadership style is, um, is really half the battle because once you, once you find that and you start acting in that manner or you start being that leader, um, the rest kind of just falls into place. You start to um, develop a, a rapport, um, you know, a reputation, you know, uh, from people um, and, and, you know, they, they are going to know what to expect from you as a leader. Um, and, and, and the rest kind of just falls into place. So leadership styles um, are great. Um, but leadership is situational. We said that earlier. Uh, so you can't pick one style and be really great at it because you're not going to use it every time. Um, you're you're going to have to find another a way to approach, you know, situation after situation after situation. So you have to be flexible. You have to be, uh, be adaptive uh, to situations. Um, aside from servant leadership, I'm huge on uh, authentic and adaptive leadership. Uh, be yourself. Don't be afraid to change and don't be afraid to help others. If you can keep those three keys in mind, um, you're not going to, you're not going to go wrong. Um, you might not always be right um, in, in the eyes of others, but, but you're, you'll never go wrong, uh, especially with your intentions uh, and thinking of those. So a common theme that I hear is that, and I want people to understand this, is leadership is not respect my authority. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, with the situational leadership, I, I have to caveat this as well. And Adam, you'll, you'll refer to this and understand this as well. You know, sometimes you do have to use authoritative leadership where you tell people very quickly and very sharply what they need to do. Uh, when there's bullets whizzing and there's a problem, you're not going to all get together and try to determine what the best course of action is at that time. you got to move, and that's okay. You know, a lot of times, and I've seen some of the leaders that I've worked with do this, and I try to do this as well, and I probably need to do it more often, is when we're going to get into a situation that gets a little bit dicey, you know, caveating it, hey, guys, I'm probably going to get a little snippy before we get in there. Um, it's not because I don't like you. It's because we got to make some quick decision. It's always good to caveat that. Now, if that's your leadership style all the time, go talk to Adam and listen to his podcast, Breakout Leadership. It's an awesome podcast. Got to plug it, bro. I mean, it's, I appreciate it's a good, that. totally good podcast. And here's the deal, man, is, you know, uh, with your podcast, it is Mac the Metal Dog approved. It, it gets the stamp of approval. Uh, Mac was going to try to camp out in here during the live stream this evening, but I had to kind of usher him out because his snoring and tooting is, um, well, he's an old Boston Terrier. So uh, we did want to interrupt the live stream. So good old Mac. It is Mac the Metal Dog approved. Something else you said, and I want to go back to this, and this really goes to something that is not understood or that I've seen is misunderstood in Christian and church circles. Before you can lead other people, you have to be able to lead yourself. Before you become a leader, you have to become a very, very good follower. All right. If you are one of those people who can't work for anybody else or work with anybody else, and you think that's because you've been called to be this special leader, you have not been called to a leadership position. You need to go to the threshing floor. 
All right. You need to gain experience. You need to learn how to work with people. You need how to work for other people. If you're, you know, and even in scripture, it makes it very clear that, you know, the qualifications for to be an elder, a pastor or church leader is your household has to be in order. It can't be in disarray. Now, and that's not saying that there's going to be some bumps here and there and everything like that. And some things you can't control. But if you are living out of your car and can't pay the rent, and everything's falling apart around you, uh, there is no way you can take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself. We got another great comment that's coming in here. Stacy says, differences in opinions create a place where love can thrive. That is so true. That is so true. A lot of people, when they go into a situation where there's a clash of opinions, um, it's all about who's, who's, who's the bigger dude in the room, who's got the bigger ego, instead of trying to come to a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, any conflict is not always bad. Uh, there's positive conflict um, because we can learn from it. Um, we can move past it. Um, we find out where others stand, um, and we learn to respect that and moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's an awesome point, Stacey. It's a great point. Yeah, that is a very good point. And here's something that everybody needs to be aware of, especially in leadership positions. You know, every idea you have is a great idea because it was your idea. Yeah, every idea I've ever had is always a great idea because it was my idea. But then when you have that, uh, Proverbs talks about this, where there's a multitude of counselors, you know, mm-hmm. the plans that you'll see them come forth. But when you don't have that multitude of counselors, they're going to fail. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this adventure with Lithos Cry at Raven's Heart is I've got so many people that surround me uh, that if I'm about to do something stupid, like jump off of a bridge and say, hey, everybody follow me. I know that Stacy would be like, dude, hey, let, let's, let's reel it back in there, bro. We got we got some issues here. Hey, um, you are listening to the Lithos Cry Raven's Heart live stream podcast. I'd like to welcome everybody on YouTube, all of our new subscribers and everybody that's listening to the replay especially on Apple iTunes, especially to to those people in other countries outside of the United States. Thank you for joining this this experience. And uh, you were listening to Adam Oxendine. He has 18 years of law enforcement experience. He's been a supervisor several times in supervisory positions. He has a master's degree in organizational leadership, and he's working on his doctorate in organizational leadership and behavioral theory. And in addition to that, you're also published too, aren't you? Oh yeah, you had to bring that out. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> it was part of uh, it was part of my um, thesis project. Um, we had to set um, tangible goals, and uh, one of them was to be published. Uh, that was one of the goals that I had. And uh, a nice little uh, company out, uh, a little paper out in the uh, out in California, picked up an article for me. It's, uh, American Police Beat is uh, the name of the um, name of the uh, um, magazine. I'm sorry. I had a brain fart there. Name of the magazine. Uh, it was October of last year. Um, I, um, I published an article on the importance of leadership in, or servant leadership in law enforcement. Uh, it was two pages. They put it slap dab in the middle. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Go and check that out. You got to check out the breakout leadership podcast because Adam goes into a a lot more detail about the things that we're talking about tonight. And since we do have a number of viewers on right now, I do have to bring this up. 
we've got a special giveaway. The prize closet is full over here at Lithos Cry at the Raven's Heart Podcast and live stream. We've got Boiling Point CD, Hope Lives Here. This thing is awesome. If you like the Food Fighters, this is good stuff. We had Boiling Point on a couple weeks ago. And if you'd like to receive a copy of this CD, email me or message me. You can message me right now on the uh, on the live stream, either on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, whichever you're watching, just message me your email. I won't put it up. Just message me your name and your email address, and we'll coordinate to get you the copy of it. Or you can email us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Hey, uh, Adam, do you have any parting shots that you want to leave us with before we close out this evening? Uh, you know, just be you. I mean, you can't ever go wrong being yourself. Um some people might not accept it, but those who mean the most to you will. Um, and once you find yourself and you establish yourself, then you can start putting your footprint in being a leader. Um, and when it comes to being a leader, don't worry about success. Be more concerned about the significance. Um, I did a uh, Facebook Live on my um, breakout leadership page about the difference between success and significance. Um, and... Uh, just it's more beneficial to be significant than it is to be successful. Those are some good words of wisdom, that authenticity. When you're not authentic, you're a hypocrite. You're putting on a mask and it just becomes a masquerade. Be the same. And that's why integrity is important, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is really the definition of, of integrity. Adam, hold on the line. I'll talk to you offline when we get off. I've got a couple announcements to make here before we launch into next week. We've got, uh, we're going to be returning next week with some new music from a band called Blue Fire Horizon. Uh, they're going to be with us. And what we've decided to do is move uh, Raven's Heart to the 8 o'clock hour during the summer because one of the things that I realize a lot of people are still out and about at seven o'clock because the sun's still outside and we'll go back once we hit daylight savings time to the seven o'clock hour uh, when it's snowing, especially up in New York. And speaking of New York, I want you to join me this Saturday evening for Metal Sharpens Metal on WVVCUtica.com with my good friend Rick. Uh, I will be on at the 10 o'clock hour Eastern time. And if you're up in Rome, uh, New York, Utica, New York, you can check us out at 88.1 FM. We've got a pretty cool edition. We're going to be talking about the music of Camelot and Roy Kahn. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Camelot is a power metal band out of Florida, and their lead singer back in 2008 was miraculously born again and became a children's pastor in Sweden for a while. So we're going to take a look at the music and listen to the music and see that progression of the questions that he had and check out an awesome praise song that we did. We're going to be doing that 10 o'clock hour on Metal Sharpens Metal in WVVC, uh, uh, WVVCUtica.com or 88.1 FM in Rome, New York. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. And, hey, for everybody that's been watching and viewing tonight, great questions tonight. Man, they were throwing meatballs at us, man. That was awesome. It was <laughs> that great. Was, it was awesome. That was. We hope we've been able to serve you tonight. That's what this is all about is uh, serving you and helping you grow and, and and experience the Lord in the fullness that he has for you. Thank you for joining us for Raven's Heart and the With Us Cry podcast tonight. And we will catch you next week at the 8 o'clock hour Eastern time here in the United States. Peace out and rock on, people. Lithoscry.com.